0: Hey everyone and welcome to Pixels for the month of October 2020. I'm Patrick Beja and we're going to go over all of the important pieces of news of things that happened in the world of gaming for the month. Uh, before we do, though, I do have one request. Um, my PlayStation 5 pre-order was cancelled, as it has been for many people. So if by any chance you live in America, I think for Europe, I might it, it's not necessary. But if you live in America and you have an extra pre-order of the PlayStation 5 that you don't need, and you might be willing uh, to sell it to me and send it to me the day it comes out, Uh, please get in touch. I'm Patrick at FrenchSpin.com. I'm serious. Uh, It's coming out a week before for you guys. Uh, So if you have one that you don't need, I will be willing to uh, buy it from you and, of course, pay for transportation and everything. Um, So, yeah, PlayStation... I. I'm probably not the only person saying this, but you know, if you've been a listener for a while and, um, you have that available, I'm, uh, uh interested. So, all right. The, there was a lot of things that happened in, uh, October. I'm going to go over mostly, uh, in chronological order, but if we talk about one topic, I'm going to gather everything from that topic in one conversation, And the first thing that I should talk about is Blizzard Entertainment closing down the offices uh, for the company in Versailles in France. And those are the European headquarters for the company. And most of the roles are being transferred to the UK uh, at Activision Blizzard King offices. And I had a lot to say about this. As you can imagine, I'm a former employee of Blizzard at that specific office. Um, And I talked about it a lot in basically everywhere. And I feel like I shouldn't go into all of the details, but um, I will break it down to you as not what it means for Social reasons or companies or capitalism, but what it means, in my opinion, for Blizzard and what we can infer from that latest move. Um, There are actually two things that I take into account. The first one is the announcement of Mike Moheim's new company that is going to be publishing video games. Mike Moheim, of course, uh, the main founder of Blizzard Entertainment, left the company two years ago, and after what really smells like a non-compete agreement, he is uh, coming back into the world of video games with statements that are pretty much saying that uh, he left because he didn't like the way Activision was starting to butt in and and wanted things to be run, which is pretty telling. Um, And if you have been following me, I really like to look at things in a very objective manner. And I feel like until now, we had a lot of speculation about the influence that Activision is exerting over the way Blizzard does things. Um, And this is the first actual, real, um, uh, neutrally analyzable (laughs) thing that we get. So this is the first point. Mike Moheim is actually saying... Activision is budding in, and the second thing is with uh, Blizzard Versailles and the European HQ being closed down it means that a lot of these roles are going to be taken over by employees of Activision Blizzard King which um, I can expect will do things in a different way now the development team is still very much staying in Irvine in a Blizzard office and it it seems like they're kind of becoming a studio of Activision Blizzard King instead of its fully independent company and that independence was something that was very much valued by Blizzard as a company they loved doing things completely on their own having the mastery of everything that was going into the way they did you know anything Um, the it was the games of course but also like merchandising and marketing and people. PR and all of that and now marketing and PR are most likely going to be taken over by Activision um, employees who might not do things in the exact same way. Um, Basically at Blizzard the product people had an unusual amount of power. Um, Usually I would say that the marketing people have a lot of power like a game that should come out at a certain time is going to come out at that time, unless the marketing people, when I say marketing people, it's essentially the, you know, CEOs, but they lean towards marketing in most companies, I feel like, not just in gaming, but in most things. At Blizzard and a few other companies, um, things are really in the hands of the developers. And they have like an amount of veto power that is, I think, unlike any other company um they have they oversee everything including merchandising publishing marketing like most of my friends who co- came to work to blizzard from other gaming companies they're telling me dude, that is not how it works outside of, you know, in other companies. Like, they give you the product, and of course, they have a lot of say into how things are done, but then you go ahead and do your marketing plan and do your uh, uh, PR outreach programs. You don't have to refer back to the dev to get everything approved every single day, essentially. I'm car- It's a little bit of a caricature, but not so much. So basically that is going to change i feel with the way uh the new organization is going to work because the marketing people are going to be used to a different way of doing things from uh, blizzard so they might be there might be a little bit of a clash between the dev teams and the support teams in the way things are done now those are relatively i don't know you know they're not minor but they're not uh affecting the games yet and i think Maybe I'm being a little bit uh, positive, but I really think I'm being objective. Um, I want to wait until I see what the games are, because the other element in that equation is, uh, of course, the assumption is... Activision is butting in and the games are going to be crap. They're not going to be polished anymore. And we've had a couple of examples where things were uncertain. Certainly for Warcraft 3 Reforged, uh, it was released in a state that is not up to the standard of Blizzard. But in my opinion, it was a smaller uh, title. But we haven't seen major games, major sequels for years now. You know, uh, Overwatch came out in 2016 and we haven't seen a major sequel or new title since then and and we might not even see one in 2021 it's 4 to 5 years without a game which is not exactly what you would expect from a company like Activision if you uh, certain, you know if you assign evil intent to them of making easy money they would put out games like even Diablo Immortal uh, has been pushed, it seems, because it wasn't ready. The mobile game, which is, according to the popular belief, the easy way of making lots of money because you're going to put out a mobile game and the Asian market is going to rush to it and have lots of microtransactions and and that's going to be easy money. Well, it was announced over two years ago and we still haven't seen anything that could tell us that it's coming out. Um, So... There's a dichotomy here. Yes, definitely, Activision is exerting more influence over Blizzard. That is, I think, uh, 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 pretty much a fact now. Um, But they're not yet, at least, pushing them to put out games before they're ready. And five years without a major game... That is a lot, a lot of time. So obviously there's a business decision being made here with uh, closing down the Activision, uh, the Blizzard offices in Versailles. Um, And it sucks for the people who work there. And I, you know, feel that probably more than most people commenting on this because they're many of my friends and people I worked with. Um, I worked in PR there for five years from 2009 to uh, 2014. So it's been a while, but still. I do have to say, though, the French law is is different from what you would have in the U.S. It's very likely they're going to have a, a very significant severance package, and then they're going to have a couple of years of unemployment benefits, and they still get, you know, healthcare and free education and all of that. So I'm not saying it's fun to be fired, uh, to lose your job. Obviously, it's not, but... You can't look at it in the same way that you would in the US where, you know, things are crazy and you don't get the most basic uh, social safety nets. So that's another thing to keep in mind. But bottom line, and I'll stop there, I still want to see the games. Uh, The games are how we will judge the output of Blizzard, and we haven't seen them for a long time, and the fact that we haven't seen them, I take as a good sign, cautiously optimistic for the quality of the games. Everything else, the company policy, the rampant uh, capitalism is another discussion, but for the games, I'm still waiting, you know, it's wait and see, so... Alright, that was Activision Blizzard. Um, Of course, we are just a couple of weeks away from the release of the uh, new consoles, and so we have news for consoles, uh, definitely. There was a teardown of the PlayStation 5 in the beginning of the month, and I think that's a good place to start um, the discussion about the PlayStation 5 in general. Um, The teardown itself, probably not the most interesting thing. The console is definitely massive, has a huge fan, um, and will stay cool. We're going to get reviews from reviewers and journalists who have been getting their review units and posting them on Twitter making everyone jealous uh, for a few days um but yeah the console itself is uh really big and hopefully will stay cool and silent that is the goal that everyone's hoping there's interesting liquid metal for the um cooling of the CPU which is an interesting thing uh, also there is this was already known but maybe you don't know that um, there is an extra NVMe SSD port on the console so you can add storage easily um, to the console. So I expect they are going to be out of stock of those on every site fairly soon after the release of the console itself. But um, you can, you don't need to swap the SSD. You can just add storage for uh, if you have the specific specs for that drive that you are going to buy um, to extend the storage of the console. So that's pretty cool uh, the other big piece of news we got from the PlayStation 5 is the uh, backwards compatibility uh, discussion and we finally got the confirmation that yes all of the games like there's a list of 10 minorish games that are not, Backwards compatible from PS4, but all of the other ones are going to be backwards compatible. So that's confirmed. You get backwards compatibility for PlayStation 4 um, games on PlayStation 5. Uh, Hardware is a tiny little bit more complicated, but it doesn't really matter at this point. The important thing is that you get the games. um, And we got that confirmation. Um, we also had the UI that was revealed. And that, I think, was a lot more interesting. There were... Three elements. There was like a fifteen minutes video uh, going through all of the UI, but what I took away from it were three really interesting and unexpected elements of the UI that actually might change the way we approach games on PlayStation Five. The first one is so there's a UI element that's uh, called cards, which are just you know different cards that appear on the screen when you press the PlayStation button, and Those cards have different things in them. One of them is activities. And activities are a certain, well, activity that you can do in-game that is detailed in one of the cards that is displayed on the uh, interface of the of the PlayStation 5. And so you would have, for example, a level where you have different things you can do in a game. Uh, you can finish the level, that's one activity, you know, go beat the boss at the end or reach the goal at the end. You have uh, things that you can collect, for example, in that level. And the activity card will tell you which activities are available, and uh, the completion amount that you have done already, and a best guess a best estimate of how long you have to um, you would need to complete that activity and that is something that speaks to me very much because as a an avid gamer that is also a parent and uh, you know older and doesn 't have as much time as I did when I was a, a little bit younger. I really appreciate the idea that I can uh, slight detour. SSD is awesome for this too, because you launch, you turn on the console, you launch into the game very quickly. And that's been the case on the Wii U for a while, but even more so now with the next-gen consoles. Um, It applies to previous-gen games also. And that is awesome because I think it... Uh, it won't be as fast as games that are designed for the PlayStation 5, but it does mean that you get, of course, more um, frame rate and resolution, but also quickly, more quickly get into your games. And that is enough of a change for me that I will definitely prefer playing my games uh, from the previous generation on the next generation, like significantly, not just, oh, I have just a little something. Like it's different from the previous generations where the change between the two gens was not that massive that you wouldn't feel uh, a desire to get the new generation to play games from the previous generation. I think here it's more significant. Obviously, I'd love to have, you know, tons of games designed for the new generation, and I think they're lacking um, this time around. But it is definitely more compelling than it was before to play previous generation games on the new generation. So that aside, it the the, the activities thing, I think, is really cool because They will uh, give you a clear path. If you have 10 minutes, okay, go do that thing. You'll have fun and it will be, uh, you know, you can complete something. I think that is really cool. And also with the SSD, you can jump to that activity. They showed the example with Sackboy, A Big Adventure. Um, They will like warp you to that activity um, from the UI and it will take a couple of seconds to get to that activity. So again, no waiting time to go do the things you want to do. I really like that. Uh, The other element uh, is the game help feature which is a little bit more controversial, I think, but I really like as well. Essentially, you can get help for the game that you're playing within the game itself. And that works with different levels of tips. Like if you're, again, the example they gave was uh, in a level you have to collect to collect stuff. And they could tell you uh, first level is, hey, it's near the beginning of the level. So you go and you search. Second one is, Look at the this element in the level, uh, pay attention to that, and then you'll look at it more specifically. And then the last one would be an actual video showing you where it is. And I think there's a valid argument that says... But this sucks because I don't want to know. I want to discover things by myself. And if this becomes a standard, then um, you are robbed of the joy and pleasure of discovering all of those things. And I think that's a valid, you know, argument to an extent. But there are two things there. First, it's in the hands of the developers. Developers need to implement this. And hopefully when they don't, you know, they will implement it in a way that makes sense with the game There. Designing, So that's important. And the other thing is, I really think that uh, we already have those things because we all have phones in our pockets and we go to YouTube and Google to find tips about the places we're stuck in in the games all the time anyway, right? We go to walkthroughs, we go to... Mm-hmm. YouTube videos that are spoilery. Oh, they they do a good job, by the way, the UI warning you if there's a potential spoiler in all of those things. But um, yeah, so it's already available. It's just PlayStation and Sony are integrating it into the uh, UI of the console, which I think is a good idea. It just removes friction and makes things easier for the player. Um, and if you don't, like I understand, you don't have to use it if you don't want to. Some people will be more drawn to it and it might change their gaming experience, but I think overall it's a positive. And the last thing is the picture-in-picture friend streaming, which I think is a pretty cool feature if you have friends, (laughs) Um, which I don't necessarily, I, I never have time, you know, to play with friends at the time that they're available to play because, you know, family life. But If you do, it's not just chatting anymore, you can have picture in picture or, you know, side by side streaming of what they're playing. And you might be playing the same game or you might be playing a different game and just chat and it might feel like you're more um, together, like sitting on a couch like we used to. If you have that visual representation of what they're, not representation, but that visual uh, element of what they're doing, I think it could be pretty cool for uh, not just co-op playing, but just together playing. So I really like that um, that element. So those are the main ones. There's another one I just want to mention briefly. You'll be able to record... Um, conversations, voice conversations and send them for moderation, which <coughs> recording conversations could be uh, used for ill, I'm sure. but uh, voice chat is such a cesspool for harassment and uh, and and toxicity that I think it's just like you you can see chat and you re- you can record chat, like text chat in other games, it makes sense that you could record voice chat and send it to Sony for actionable, you know, actions against people who are being offensive. So I really think this is a good thing. Uh, I think that's it on the PlayStation 5 front. Um, It's only fair that we talk a little bit about uh, Microsoft and the Xbox as well. The, the, there were a number of little reviews, like the console is very much, uh, quiet as the, um, you know, as, as we could expect, it's both X, <coughs> sorry, the X and S, uh, seem to be very much quiet consoles, and that's going to be great as well, because, well, I mean, the One X was also very quiet, but those things aside, we got, Impressions from reviewers and stuff like that um, uh, on the hardware and on the uh, uh, backwards compatibility. And all of that is basically what you would expect. Mm. Mm. Drinking a little bit. Um, but the, the the really important piece of news for uh, Microsoft is we discussed last uh, episode the fact that Amazon Luna's uh, streaming service, game streaming service is available on iOS via a web app, not an app from the app store. And uh, the important thing here is that Phil Spencer confirmed with employees that uh, the Game Pass and, you know, xCloud, the streaming service will be available on iOS and iPadOS in 2021 via a, a browser app. And so essentially what I was saying, um, uh last time, I would expect, and it doesn't take a genius to expect that, but we would expect that uh, that would be available for iOS, for uh, Microsoft's uh, Game Pass, and for Stadia and, uh, well, other solutions as well. And that is the confirmation. This is really important because uh, the, uh, the the way that these services work is they put games everywhere, and if they're not available on those devices, it's a big chunk of gamers and players that will not have access to them. So I think it's it's really important. Um, another aspect of the Game Pass, and especially on mobile, is that uh, Microsoft is expanding the 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 touch controls on games they design touch controls specifically for different games they have 10 ish now that have touch controls which obviously the controller is going to be the best option for using a a xCloud you know the game pass on your mobile but if you don't have one then you can still do it with touch controls and if the touch controls are designed specifically for your um, device That is really cool, I feel. Um, Since we're talking about uh, game streaming, I guess that's a good time to mention that Facebook is getting into that game as well. Um, It's only a test in the US as usual, in parts of the US uh, for now, but it is available on the uh, Android and the web on computers. And there aren't a lot of games yet that really testing period for now it's not on ios as you would expect because of you know essentially they were saying apple sucks but uh unsurprisingly but yeah it's cloud streaming is everywhere including facebook i I, i'm fond of saying that the only companies that can do cloud streaming are google microsoft uh Amazon and Facebook, because they have the server infrastructure throughout the world. Uh, arguably, Apple could do it too. I don't know their server status, uh, but they have been beefing it up for a good while now. And they have their banking on services as well a lot, and they need servers everywhere. So I don't know if they use you know AWS and, and Microsoft servers or if they have their own, um, but regardless... The the four companies that definitely can are now doing um, various uh, stages of testing or releasing of cloud gaming. So definitely a big big thing uh, happening now with cloud gaming. And Facebook is starting small with smaller games, but you know there's no that's the beauty of cloud gaming. There's nothing that says you can't uh, make bigger games. You just need to have the server capacity in the back. And the clients, the the consumers, don't need anything. And if you can stream a triple A level game, then it doesn't matter if you... Essentially, it doesn't matter if you stream a tiny little Flash game or a super powerful, um, ser- you know... Mega PC based game. And it seems Facebook is starting with mobile ish games, but you know, they are flexible and they can do whatever they want essentially. So, what that means is Facebook is joining uh, gaming in a bigger way than it has before. Gaming has always been big on Facebook, of course, but this is like joining everyone else. Now, We should be a little bit careful about uh, big tech companies joining uh, gaming because this has not been going super well for many of them. Uh, The latest example is Amazon cancelling Crucible, which was a, a multiplayer game that came out a few months ago. And it was so badly received when it came out in July that they pulled it back into beta. And um, I think it, it, no, it came out a bit before July and they pulled it back in beta in July and they said, oh, we're going to work on it. It's going to be great. And now they canceled it. Like, this is the most bizarre thing that has happened uh, for a game in a very long time. And this is not Amazon's first uh, try, first example of this. They, What was the name of the other game? Breakaway? I can't remember, but they had another esports-focused title that came out a couple of years ago. It wasn't bad, but they just, it didn't take, and um, they just canceled it after a few months or a few weeks even. This is the second time this has happened in a much more dramatic way, because they said they were going to keep it in beta, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, I am flabbergasted by this, and it shows something that I have been saying for a while, which is, Tech people think that gaming is the same as tech. You know, tech journalists think they understand gaming because it's true that it's close you know it's it's similar ish uh, industries but there are enough differences that if you look at gaming through the lens of tech and through what you know in tech you're going to make very wrong assumptions and uh, analysis and predictions and tech journalists do that all the time a lot of them were saying oh Nintendo should stop making consoles or oh where everything is going to be on mobile now you don't need a dedicated console or a you know a mobile console like there was definitely a space for a mobile console and Nintendo took advantage of that in a very clever hybrid way um but essentially tech people don't seem to understand gaming and with uh Amazon doing this a second time with a big game they were banking on um it it's I I feel an example of that and I don't know how this is possible (laughs) that they are messing it up so much um it's i guess maybe it could be a good thing that they are not uh uh you know beating a dead horse with this game that is not going to work out but it's it's kind of a it's it's kind of a slim uh chance that this is just a good thing it's it's good maybe that they're canceling it but how did they get there uh yeah it's i don't know what's happening at amazon but i'm guessing they are looking at this and saying okay we have to change the way we do things. And um by the way they have another game in development called New World a big MMO and I'm worried about that one now. <laughs> I mean I wasn't super enthusiastic before but yeah it's I f- I feel it's it's worrisome. Um so yeah We'll see what happens there. Stadia is another example of a big tech company messing things up spectacularly, I feel. Um, and it kind of continues because with their big. Uh, coming out party essentially they made three games available as demos uh, that are available for anyone that has a gmail account there are no issues of you need to purchase the thing or be subscribed to the service with the pro subscription or anything like that anyone, um, for about a week, I think the week is over-ish now, or uh, maybe there are a few, still a few days, but you can go to Stadia.com and just start playing uh, one of a pretty anticip- a pretty highly anticipated game, um, Immortals Phoenix Rising, which is a Ubisoft game initially known as Gods and Monsters, um, that is a Pretty cool thing, there are a couple of other games that I don't feel <laughs> require a lot of uh, discussion, but that one is pretty cool, and people are curious about it and being able to try it for free easily in your browser, Chrome or you know any chromium browser um is awesome. I think this is really really, really cool, and no one has heard about it like there this should be a coming out party for 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 stadia and the the thing itself is awesome and it works really well but i don't understand why they didn't make a little bit more noise about it it's like to get people to discover the the, the service <sighs> but uh, anyway it's um it it is cool you can go give it a try and uh you will have fun i think and it's at stadia.com if you connect a controller to your computer then You can control it that way, but you don't need to. You can just do it. You know, that's the magic of cloud streaming. You just need a computer. Any computer will work, will do. Go to stadia.com right now, and you can be playing it in 15 seconds, literally. That is insane, and they're not... Anyway. Uh, All right. Well, what else is there? I think the um, streaming portion of the discussion is pretty much done um there is a right a new um selection of ryzen uh, cpus from amd which is pretty interesting pretty cool uh essentially they're saying that it is the it now they are not just competing on bang for the buck but actually um being the best choice for gamers specifically. The Ryzen 5000 series CPUs are uh, much cheaper than the equivalent power at Intel. And of course, Zen 3 arch- architecture has been prov- proving to be, um, I mean, is is estimated to be a really significant upgrade. And um, yeah, so we'll see what happens there. Uh, I sh- maybe I should have waited another day to do the this episode because uh, AMD is also going to announce their uh, GPUs tomorrow. But you know, I feel like we kind of know what's going to happen. They're going to be awesome GPUs, and uh, they're going to work really well with Ryzen CPUs because it's the same manufacturer. At least that's what they're promising and it's going to be even more difficult to decide which one to buy between that and um and Nvidia's uh GTX um 3000 series. So we'll see what happens there, but essentially uh it feels like if you want to upgrade your PC, we're at one of those moments in like there's always something cooler coming um In the PC world, there's always something cooler coming. So it's always like, oh, should I wait for it? Should I uh, upgrade now? Uh, It's always a difficult choice. Now, uh, there is essentially one of those moments where you definitely want to upgrade because it is a significant uh, deal, either in uh, power gain or price or both and of course if you just you know bought a new pc a year ago then maybe you shouldn't but if you have like let's say a three-year-old computer or older it might be a a good time to upgrade if you feel like you need to for me who has a six-year-old computer i definitely want to upgrade so i'll be looking it into that um the last thing i want to cover the big uh element is Chinese games, and one of them among more than most uh, Genshin Impact, which has been making a lot of noise, Uh, well, actually the one that has been making most noise is Hades, which I have been loving for months and I'm very happy that the entire world seems to be discovering. This is really cool. Hades is an awesome game and I'm sure you've heard about it. Um, and if you haven't like just go download it now, it's relatively cheap and it's really great. Um, I'm sure you've heard about it, so I won't spend too much time talking about uh, it again here, but uh, one of the best roguelites that has ever been made, incredible storytelling within the confines of the roguelite genre in a way that is groundbreaking for uh, that kind of game and insanely fun gameplay. It is a treasure, and I'm pretty sure it's going to be a game of the year for many, many people at the end of this year, Uh, or at least on that list, which is interesting because it runs on... On, it can run on anything. Currently, it's on PC and Switch, but um, yeah, so it can run on anything. In a in a moment when uh, next gen consoles are coming, it's really funny that um, that uh, Hades is capturing the zeitgeist. But uh, getting back to Genshin Impact, if you don't know what it is, it is a Chinese game available on mobile, PC, and PlayStation Four, I believe, um, and it is a a uh, uh, MMO, open, open world MMO that is heavily inspired by uh, Breath of the Wild, The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild, heavily inspired, but also has many of the trappings of mobile games, uh, especially from Asia, with Gatcha. Uh, mechanics if you don't know what gacha are they're essentially loot boxes uh, so you pay to get a uh, you know some game elements they can be weapons or characters or stuff like that and they have different rarities and uh, you can get them uh, with you know you can combine them to make them stronger um, if you get multiple of them that is a staple of the gacha genre and in the worst examples, it is really a money sink. And it's designed for that, for whales, and it is extremely unpleasant as a business model. In the case of Genshin Impact, it seems to be fairly well balanced for that type of game. Um, it is, you get a lot, a lot of free content, you get a lot of fun out of it, and you don't really need to pay for anything um, maybe after a few dozen hours of game time, you start to have to pay for, for, for stuff. Um, but even then, people are most people are saying this is probably amongst the best examples um, of player respect in that kind of genre. So it's been very successful. And beyond that, I think what is really interesting is that it's kind of the spearhead of two things. First of all, this success cannot be ignored and i suspect that we're going to see more traditionally mobile developers coming to um the the console and pc market i think they're going to port that style it, not that you know free to play games are uh rare on those platforms but specifically the asian mobile um type of uh, free to play i think we're going to see more and more of those uh, in the future so that's the first trend the second trend is chinese games this is i i feel this generation of consoles is going to be the one where we see um the chinese games come to the west and we have seen, uh, you know, many different games, or at least I would say three. There's um, uh, XuanHuan Sword 7, which is coming to PS4 and PC and might come. It's a venerable RPG in, in China. Um, I suspect it will come to the next gen at some point. But um, the the other one, I can't remember the name, but it's one based on uh, the the um, Monkey King uh story, which is very well known mostly because of Dragon Ball um, in, in the West. But this is essentially Chinese developers that are um, coming to to traditional consoles and PC for us. I really think this is going to be happening now. Um, it is, you know, I think it's, it's a little bit of a concern for the business models that are popular in those regions because of the prevalence of mobile games. And that you know, it worries me a little bit, but at the same time, I'm very excited to get um, Chinese culture uh, in in the gaming space and kind of seeing a different take on all of those uh tropes maybe that we've been playing for a long time. Of course, there might be a concern about censorship and the way the Chinese government is influencing the way the games are made and all of that. But, you know, that's a whole different conversation. What what I, I choose to look at for now is we're going to see Chinese culture in gaming. And I think that is uh, pretty cool. And it could um, even open some avenues for, you know, more understanding and and all of that. Certainly, Japanese culture has been, through anime and gaming, uh, very much integrated into Western culture, or at least a lot of Westerners have been made familiar with this. And as a Westerner that has uh, fallen in love with Japan initially through Uh, gaming and and anime and manga i certainly feel that so i think it's going to be interesting to see how that um, evolves and I, I guess that's about it. I could say I could talk a little bit about Baldur's Gate 3, which is the big, uh, you know, release for CRPG fans. But it's an early access game, and by all accounts, it's pretty awesome. But I think I'll conclude with um, we. This is the last uh, episode before the new generation is out, and this is so exciting. I'm, I'm genuinely, uh, you know, this is something that obviously only happens every few years. And in a world where things are not so cool sometimes, I feel like this is going to be a breath of fresh air um, and a little bit of, of escapism. And it doesn't really matter that, you know, are the games different? Are they better? It's a reason to get excited. So I, I welcome that reason, and it's only two weeks away. I am so like i'm gonna go to uh the to the 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 store to get my xbox on the 10th um i will see if i can get a playstation 5 or not uh yeah again if you have one that is you know a pre-order that you don't need i'm very happy to take it off your hand so patrick at frenchspin.com send me an email uh (laughs) but um yeah I'm uh, it's just super exciting and I can't wait for uh, games like Assassin's Creed Valhalla and Cyberpunk, which are near weeks away. Not too excited about Watch, Do- Watch Dogs Legion. That's not my thing. But um, all of those games and uh, I, like there are even wild cards like Godfall on PlayStation 5, um, a bunch of other things that are coming out on uh, Game Pass like um uh, Uh, Tetris Effect um, Connected, which I didn't get on PlayStation 4. And since it's it's in Game Pass, I'm going to definitely give it a try on Xbox Series X. Uh, There are a couple of other games there on Game Pass that I'm excited to to try. Uh, So I am very excited about all this and uh, I hope you are as well. And we'll talk about it, I guess, in about a month in to, to see how things went. And I'm sure they're going to go very well. And everything is going to be awesome, right? Everything is awesome. That's the motto from now on. Thank you very much for listening. I am NotPatrick on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram everywhere, essentially. You can also find uh, NotPatrick.com, where you have all the links to everything I do, including the Phileas Club, which is a show about uh, international news, where we talk about stuff from different perspectives and listen to each other. That's a really cool show. You might enjoy it. And uh, let me know if you have a PS5 you don't need uh, pre-order. And uh, I will talk to you in about a month. Bye.